Well, good morning, Journey Church. Um, yeah, let's give a shout out to everyone watching online. We're so glad you guys are joining us in that way. Some, somebody's running on a treadmill on a Tuesday morning watching or listening to Journey Church, and this is a shout out just to you, sir or ma'am or whoever. Um, hey, great news. Our church is in a baby boom, if you haven't noticed. Have you, have you noticed? We got, and they're the best looking babies in our county and beyond are here at Journey Church, so we love it. Our worship director, Beth Wilson, with the assistance of her loving husband, Dwayne, gave birth to a little baby girl um, on Tuesday morning. Eliza Rose is her name. Did I get that right? Yes, um, Eliza Rose. And so, man, we just love what God's doing, and, and he's going to grow his church one way or the other. So if you don't witness to people, you never know. You might be getting some news from the doctor. So help us grow the church the right way. That's for you, Pastor Aaron. That's for you. Hey, we are in a series. Oh, we are in a series called Money Matters. And it's because money does matter. And I know that money matters because we think about it, we stress about it, we worry about it, we fight about it, right? Money really does matter. And your heavenly father loves you so much that he knows what we're worried about and he knows what we fight about. He knows what we spend so much time thinking about. And so Jesus spent a whole lot of time talking about money and talking about stewardship issues. And, and even beyond the words of Jesus, there's so much in the wisdom literature in the Bible about money. And so what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is we've been looking at some of the habits that we could put in place in order to experience financial freedom. We're in our third week of that series. So far we've looked at six habits. Today we'll look at the seventh habit which really is the linchpin, but I figured we'd do a little review and uh, kind of, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we'll bring you up to speed of what we've been talking about. Our first habit really has nothing, of, no, no action to it. It's really about our mindset. It's about our thinking. The first habit is think like a manager. In fact, would you say that with me? Think like a manager. So this is, this is about recognizing that everything that I have comes from God and that I am merely a manager. He's the owner, I'm the manager. I'm a temporary steward of what God has entrusted to me. And so it's having that mindset, thinking in that way. The second habit is a habit of hard, honest work. Would you say that with me, hard, honest work? Hard, honest work. And the truth of the matter is you will not experience financial freedom apart from a strong work ethic and, 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 being, and approaching your finances with honesty and not looking to get rich quick schemes or, or whatever, but saying, you know what, I'm going to approach this with hard work. In fact, I would submit to you that if you're going to experience financial freedom, especially those in this room that have really been struggling, it's going to take a lot of sacrifice. It's going to take saying no to some things. It's going to take, you know, Carrie and I went through the season that we call the rice and beans bologna sandwich season, you know, where you're not buying new clothes and you're trying to make your grocery bill as, as, as short as possible. And, and, and with that, it's hard. <laughs> or everybody else would be doing it, right? So the, the habit of hard, honest work. I already preached that sermon, so I don't need to preach it again, right? And then, and then the third habit that we talked about the first week is a habit of keeping good records, or keep good records. Would you say that phrase with me? Keep good records. And, and I, I made this statement, and some of you have remembered it. You need to be a knowing where your money is a 
Yeah, you need to be in knowing where your money is going. You will not experience financial freedom if you don't know what, what money is coming in and what money is going out. And you've, you've, even, even for those of you that this goes totally against your personality, you need to work hard at keeping good records. Keep good records. So that was the first week. Then we continued into last week with our fourth habit. And the fourth habit is pay God first. Pay God first. Would you say that one with me? Pay God first. And paying God first recognizes, like we said earlier, that everything we have is from God anyhow. And, and the Bible talks about a tithe, which means tenth or ten percent. And what it means is when God entrusts resources to me, that I simply give back to him the first ten percent that already belongs to him anyway. It already belongs to him. And what I have found in my life, and so many of you, because so many of you have been telling me stories about this, is that, that I would rather live with 90% that is blessed with the covering of God. And, and listen, this isn't just financially or monetarily. Like, like, this is just blessing in general. I would rather live with 90% that is blessed than to take all 100%, disobey God, and live without his covering and his protection and his blessing. And so pay God first. Pay God first. The, the seventh habit... No. Where are we at? Number five. I can count. I promise you. I can count. Number five. I was seeing if you guys are paying attention. Number five is similar, but this is for us. Pay yourself second. Pay yourself second. In fact, if I could wave a magic wand over our congregation and get us all to practice these disciplines, this discipline of paying God first and paying yourself second is so important. If you're a middle school student or high school student or you're college age, man, start these habits now. So many of us in this room, I saw this in the first service and I just saw it now. There's so many of the, the older people in the room, or I would say the more experienced people in the room, are not in their heads going, yes. Like if you could start the habit of paying God first and paying yourself second. When we say pay yourself second, what we're talking about is, again, taking a tenth and saying, hey, I'm going to put this into savings or I'm going to put this into retirement. I'm going to find some people that are a few steps ahead of me financially and just say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Would you coach me? People who aren't broke people who aren't in debt, and just say, would you help me with the savings idea? And I'm telling you, if you will get in the habit from day one, maybe, maybe you're, you're a student in this room, and you're babysit, or you dog sit, or you, or you mow lawns, or in a few months you'll be shoveling snow. Like, like, if you could learn how to pay God first and pay God second, you would be, you would, the trajectory of your life is going to be so much easier, right? And then finally, the, the sixth habit that we talked about last week is a habit to avoid debt. Avoid debt. Would you say that one with me? Avoid debt. Again, if I could wave a magic wand. And so many people are getting stuck here. I talk to so many couples. And when we talk about what's going on in their marriage, so many times the issues revolve around debt. Literally just had a conversation this past week and a, a, a gentleman had taken out $100,000 in loans and his wife didn't know about it. Literally this past week had this conversation. Listen, avoid debt. Avoid debt. I mean, whether it's just, you know, the Kohl's card or the Target card or, or what, just avoid it. If you, if you don't have the means to purchase it, just decide that it's not worth purchasing. Do everything in your power. This is where the hard work comes in. This is where the sacrifices come in. To say, you know what, if I don't have the money to be able to pay for this, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. Just not going to do it. I, I had a couple last week, they were talking about student loans. Man, so many students are, are taking out tens of thousands of dollars in loans. 
And then finding out at the end that they got to pay it back. And, and I'll be honest, there's not a lot of education to these students. We blame the students, but there aren't a lot of people sitting them down helping to, them to understand what's going on with this. And I would just say, parents, grandparents, we need some adults in these kids' lives to say, listen, you are going to cripple yourself severely. Is there any other way that we can do this? Is there any other way we can do this? Okay, that, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm on a soapbox. Avoid debt. Avoid debt. Do everything you can. Avoid it like it's, like it's the plague, right? Avoid it. Now, what we're going to talk about today is, is really a linchpin for, for getting all of this. And it's the habit to be content. Be content. Now, would you say that one with me? Be content. Be content. In our passage, I'm going to have you guys turn to the book of Philippians. And we're going to be looking in chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians, while you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about the context. Because the context really does help us understand this, I think, so much greater. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing, and, and this is almost 2,000 years ago that he's writing this letter. And he's writing to a group of Jesus followers in a city called Philippi. And it's really important to understand where Paul is writing. He's very, we know this just from reading the letter, that Paul is, do you know what setting he's in? Where? He's in jail. He's in prison. He's literally chained to a guard as he's writing this letter. And the prisons and jails back then, because I know about half of our church has been in jail, and the other half should have been. Right? That's what we say around Journey, right? Thank you for the grace of God, the mercy of God, right? And so some of you have been in jail, and you know it's a horrible place. But can I just tell you, in the ancient world, being in prison was so much worse they didn't have food. If you were going to eat as a prisoner, they didn't care if you starved to death in their prison. The, if you were going to eat, you were dependent upon friends or family members literally bringing you meals every day or bringing you some kind of sustenance that could last throughout the week. You were, you were dependent upon them for blankets, for clothing, for warmth. The, 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 the prisons, the jails back then, they, they just chained you to the place and then they would just forget about you. And so think about Paul's setting. This is going to be so important as we read these words. Paul is in prison. By the way, he's not in prison for something bad that he did. He's in prison because he's sharing the gospel. <laughs> so think about his attitude. What would your attitude be like if you were Paul? Now, with that context, let's start in chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. And we're picking up kind of midstream, but you'll get the point in a minute. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have, and then there's a really important word here, for I have, what's the word there? For I have learned, if you're following along, just circle that word, we're going to come back to that in a minute. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have, what's the word there? I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then there's this verse that we take out of context so much. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So when Paul says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, he's not on an NFL football field hoping to win the game. Okay? This is Paul in prison who's... Just confident that God is going to continue to supply literally his daily bread. 
And he says, I've learned how to be content, and because of that, I can do everything. I can live in whatever situation I'm put in. I can do everything because Christ is in me and he's with me and he is empowering me. Through his strength, through his power, I can go through whatever life throws at me. Now, the key here, and we mentioned it twice as I was reading this, is that contentment doesn't just come to you. You don't just wake up one morning content. You can't click your heels together three times and say, I will be content, I will be content, I will be content. And all of a sudden you open your eyes and now I'm content. In fact, there's a battle specifically in our culture and in our time for contentedness. Because we live in a time where we are barraged, every single person in this room, you are being barraged with messages that what you have is not enough and that you would be happier if you just had fill in the blank. And I'm telling you, there is a whole industry that is spending, in a few minutes we'll get to the dollar signs, they are spending so much more money than you can imagine trying to convince you that you need more and you need bigger and you need better, and that life will then be fulfilling and happy. So how do we learn? If contentedness comes through learning, how do we learn to be content? I want to share with you four principles, and actually they kind of spell out the word self, and so we just thought that really what this is all about is being selfish, but in a totally different way than you've ever learned before. So today we're going to talk about being S-E-L-F-ish. The S stands for stop comparing Stop comparing. Listen, God made you unique, and even identical twins are different, but yet we find ourselves comparing, right? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing, and specifically in this context, he's writing to people he calls self-important. These are people who are self-important, and he says they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. And yet we all do this, don't we? You walk into a friend's home, maybe it's the first time that they've ever invited you to their house, and you walk in the house, and instantly you start judging things. Well, you know, I wouldn't do that, or I would do this, or I wish I had that, or wow, they really splurged on that. Wow, they must really have more money. Or, or we, we just do this in general, don't we? Someone comes into work, and they've got a new hairdo, and you, I mean, we're so trivial with it. Oh, I wish my hair was straighter. I wish my hair was curlier. I wish I had hair. Can I get an amen? Right? Like we, we compare what people are driving, what people are wearing, what kind of shoes they're wearing. I mean, we get so trivial, don't we? Stop comparing. In fact, I would submit to you, we, must, we need to learn how to admire without having to acquire. We must learn how to admire without having to acquire. Like, wouldn't it be great to get to this place? And I'll admit, I'm not 100% there. Wouldn't it be great that when somebody else gets blessed, that instead of me judging or comparing, that I just go, wow, praise God for that. That's the blessing of God. Brother, sister, I'm so glad that God blessed you in that way. Thank you, Jesus, for that. What if we could get to the point where we could admire without having to acquire if we could just thank God for his blessings that he's given on other people without judging, without saying, well, I bet they went into a lot of debt to buy that. Well, I don't go into debt. I'm a, I'm a blah, blah, blah. Like, what if we could get to that place? In fact, let's just, let's just go, go there for a second. Comparing yourself to other people is literally a sin. 
And it's not just any ordinary sin. Like, it is one of the big ten. If you go to Exodus chapter 20 and you go to the list of the ten commandments, the last of the ten commandments, let's just read this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, this is the last of the ten commandments. It says, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, in our context, there probably hasn't been a time where you've coveted the ox of your neighbor, the donkey of your neighbor. Man, <laughs> don't do it, Ken. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> hey, you thought of it too, so that's on you. Like, like we, it, it, let's just get to the word covet. Covet is the uncontrolled desire to acquire. It literally means, he's, here's the Hebrew, in the Hebrew it literally means to pant after. In the Greek, it means to grab or grasp something so tightly that you can't let it go. You're grabbing something so tightly that you can't let it go. It reminds me of a story of uh, uh, decades ago, these monkey trappers in the Amazon rainforest, they, they would go in and, and in order to trap these monkeys, and some of you have heard me tell this story before, they would get these great big gourds, these heavy gourds, and they would drill a hole that was just big enough for the monkey to put their, their hand and their arm into it, and then they would fill these gourds with nuts. And they would put these out in the open and then they would kind of go and hide and wait. And the monkeys would come, they would smell the nuts, and they would come in and they would put their hand in and they would grab onto the nuts, making a fist. And now the hole was, so, was small that they couldn't get their, their fist out. And so now they got this great big heavy gourd hanging on and they couldn't get away before the trappers would come after them. In the Greek, listen again to the word covet. To grab or grasp something so tightly that you can't let it go. Comparison will weigh you down. It will trap you and it will keep you from the contentment that God wants for you. So if, if we're going to learn the lesson of being content, the first thing, the S, stands for stop comparing. Turn to the person next to you and say, stop comparing. Stop comparing. Stop comparing. Here's the E in self, because we're going to be selfish. The S is stop comparing. The E is enjoy the now. Enjoy the now. So I'm going to tell on myself for a moment. Like we come in this morning. When we came in uh, uh, to the church, it was around 7, 7.15. And I park over at the offices and because uh, we want to make sure. Listen, at this church, the pastors don't get the closest parking spaces I make our path, we, we park the furthest away because we want every single person who wants to hear the good news of Jesus to have as great of access as possible. So that's what we do, right? And so we park over at the offices, and, and so I'm walking over, and I'm walking with my youngest daughter, Kara, and uh, we're walking, and it's beautiful this morning, right? I mean, how gorgeous is it? And here's just how my mind goes, and after, after you hear this, you might go, I, I don't know if I want you being my pastor anymore, but here's where my mind goes. I'm talking to Kara, we're talking about how beautiful it is, and I said, you know what, in a couple weeks, in a couple weeks, it's going to be like in the 20s, and it's going to be sleeting and hailing, and, and it's going to be like 70 mile per hour winds, and we're going to be looking back going, I can't believe it was this nice just two weeks ago. And listen to what my daughter says. My daughter says, Dad, can't you just enjoy the moment? She hadn't even heard the sermon yet. I already heard the sermon. Preacher, practice what you preach, right? Right? 
Like, here's the thing. So many of us are in this place where God has blessed you. Maybe he hasn't blessed you the way that he's blessed someone next to you. But can you just enjoy the now? Can you just enjoy how God has blessed you now? In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19, it says, And it is good, it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. Listen, can I just tell you, your heavenly father loves you so much. And he has given you good gifts. In fact, the word of God says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from your father who does not change like shifting shadows. He gives you good gifts, and and he wants you to enjoy those gifts. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He's not out there that if you start laughing, he, like, starts judging you. Like, the Lord, God invented laughter. Satan didn't invent laughter. God invented laughter. He wants to, I'm, I'm I'm a horrible dad at times. But can I tell you, when I see my kids enjoying life and laughing and enjoying our company, man, it just fills my heart. If me, an earthly dad who gets things wrong so much time, if I feel that way, how much more does your heavenly father want you to enjoy the good things that he's given you? And I think it grieves him when he's giving you good gifts and instead of enjoying those gifts, that you're looking over at the person next to you. Like, what if we could get to a place where we enjoy what God is doing? And here's a question to ask. What am I not enjoying right now? What has God blessed me with that I'm not enjoying right now? That's a great question to ask. What is, how has God blessed me that I'm not enjoying it, that I'm not appreciating it, that I'm not thanking him? See, so many of us get stuck in something that I would call when and then thinking. When and then thinking. When and then thinking, you guys know what I mean by this. When and then thinking is, you know, for the student in this room, the middle school student, the high school student, the when and then thinking is, man, someday I'm going to graduate from high school and I'm finally going to be out from under the thumb of these dictators. Right? Someday, right? I'm going to be able to enjoy life the way I want to enjoy it. And we've all thought that, or some of you have thought that. Someday, I'm going to graduate and everything's going to be great. And you graduate from high school and you go, oh, someday I'm going to meet the woman of my dreams. I'm going to, I'm going to meet that person and we're going to get married and life is going to be so much better because it will be two of us instead of just one of us. And life is going to be so much better. Someday, right? And then you get married. You weren't supposed to laugh at that. Right? And, and then it becomes, well, someday we'll have kids, right? Someday, one day, we, someday we'll have kids, and life will be so much more complete. Like when we have kids, and I remember for Carrie and I, it took us four years to even be able to have kids. And, man, we just, we just every day, like, we can't wait someday, and you'd see other people having kids, and your heart would break, and someday we'll have kids. <laughs> and then it, someday we'll actually sleep through the night, can't, I mean, it's going to happen eventually, right? Like, they can't scream like this until they're 15, right? Someday, they finally got to get this thing, right? And then it's someday they will be potty trained. Oh, bless the Lord, right? Right, you remember these things, right? Like, and someone, I remember someone telling me, listen, they won't go to kindergarten still wearing a diaper. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't bet on it, Right? And then, and then, you know, someday they're finally going to be out of the house and it'll just be the two of us again, right? 
And then someday the house won't be as quiet as it is right now. And we can fast forward through our entire life with when and then thinking. Instead of enjoying the moment. Enjoying the now. Enjoying what God has given us and how God has blessed us. So if we're going to be... If we're going to learn contentment and, and not be selfish as the world says, but selfish in this sense, we're going to stop comparing. We're going to enjoy the now. And then the L stands for realize that life, life is not about things. Life is not about things. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then Jesus said, beware. And anytime Jesus says beware, he means like, you best be paying attention right now. Warning, warning, warning. Beware, pay attention. Guard against every kind of greed. Think about this for a moment. There's not just one kind of greed. Satan is so insidious and he, he is working overtime and I'm telling you he's using people, he's using people in front of computers and in social media and he, he, he doesn't want there, he wants there to be so many different types of greed. Because he knows that when, when greed enters our heart, uh, there's not room in our heart for God. Our hearts follow a master. And we can't, we can't serve God and material things at the same time. There's only room on the throne of our heart for one master. So Jesus is warning, pay attention, guard against every kind of greed. And then he says this, life is not measured by how much you own. Listen, never judge your self-worth by your net worth. And there's a lot of people who go through life and they're judging their self-worth by how much they've accumulated, by what they're wearing, by what they're driving, by who they're hanging out with, by the stuff. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way it is. Life is not measured by how much you own. Here's a prayer of Agar. This comes from the wisdom literature in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. He says, oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. That's a good thing. Lord, keep us from deceit. Keep us honest in our dealings, right? Second, pay attention to this one. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Listen, be careful what you ask for. Pastor Aaron mentioned earlier, it's just the grace of God that sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. Because he knows that if you got some of the things that you've asked for, that it would actually be an impediment. An impediment to your relationships, an impediment just to living the life that he has for you. Wealth can make you prideful and poverty can make you bitter. So we so say, God, God I, give me what you want from me. Help me to be so focused on you that it's not about whether I have much or I have little. God, I want to learn contentment. I want to learn contentment. And so self, stop comparing. S is stop comparing. E is enjoy the now. L is life is not about things. And the F is focus on what will last forever. Focus on what will last forever. I mean, ultimately, this is what contentedness is all about, right? Is what am I focused on? 
What am I focused on? I would submit to you that it's wise to focus your attention on eternal priorities. In fact, the word of God tells us there's only two things that are going to last forever. The souls of men and the word of God. Ultimately, all the things that we chase after and all the things that we think will bring fulfillment to life. And isn't it interesting that, that we think there's going to be fulfilling, you know, if I can just get the newest iPhone, then life will really be great. Like 15 minutes after you get it, you're like, oh, what is it? It's, it's nothing that is tangible. Nothing that is tangible. I mean, it's great to get a new car, but eventually that new car smell wears off and the resale value is stunning. <laughs> right? Like all these things that we think will make us happy, they really don't. But what if we focus on the things that last forever, the souls of men and the word of God? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. And can I tell you, if you look for trouble, you will find it. Do you know somebody who it just seems like they just look for trouble? They just look for something to be mad about or angry about or negative about? Okay, you don't need to be like, some of you are like, the elbows are getting really sharp right now. No, we don't, we don't need to be, we don't look at the troubles that we can see now, but yet we do, don't we? That's why there's that admonishment from Paul. Don't look at the troubles that you can see now. Rather, and this is for every follower of Jesus in this room. If, you're, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, this is a challenge. Don't look at the trouble you can see now. Rather, we, followers of Jesus, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. The things we chase after now soon will be obsolete. That, that, that whatever it is that you thought that you needed so desperately 20 years ago, you don't even remember it. Do you remember what you got for Christmas on your eighth birthday? Or on your eighth Christmas? What you got for Christmas on your eighth. <laughs> Do you remember what you got for Christmas when you were eight years old? Thank you. Yes, I know. Words are hard. <laughs> Do you remember what you got? A lot of us don't. A lot of us don't. And yet we, we, like, life will be over if I don't get this thing. And can I tell you, as we get older, we don't change much. What are we fixing our attention on? Am I going to focus on people or possessions? Am I going to focus on riches or relationships? And we've got a choice to make. I recently saw a headline, in fact it was two weeks ago that I was online and I saw this headline. The headline is worldwide marketing spend, so get that, worldwide marketing spend to hit 4.7 trillion annually by 2025. So by 2025, the worldwide marketing, the amount that they spend on marketing will be 4.7 trillion dollars a year. Okay, if you don't know how much, you should do this sometime. When you get some time, go to YouTube and type in how much is a trillion dollars. And there's all kinds of videos. And they will, you, you'll be like, what? Our politicians and people in charge of our money, remember last week we talked about well, you should pay your taxes, 28% of your income right out of the gates goes to taxes. They love, when they talk about trillion dollars, you should be paying attention. That's a lot of money. And $4.7 trillion will be spent every year just on marketing. 
worldwide. What does that mean? They're trying to convince you that what you have isn't good enough and that you would be so much happier and more fulfilled if you had what they're trying to sell you. Trillions of dollars are spent with one central message. You've got to have more to be happy, successful, important, valuable, and secure. So who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to Madison Avenue or are you going to listen to your heavenly father who loves you and says, listen, I'm going to take care of you. If I'll take care of the sparrows, you better believe I'm going to take care of you. The lilies of the field, I'm going to take care of you. I know you. I love you. I know how many hairs are on your head. Don't laugh at that. I know, how, I know all about you. I love you. I was watching over you as you were being formed in your mother's womb. I was there. You are not an accident. I love you. I love you so much more than you can imagine. I've known every event in your life. The things that you're so proud of that you wish other people knew and acknowledged. The things that you're ashamed of. I know all about you. I love you. I put my breath in you. Like we talked about this morning, right? The word from God for us. I love you so much that even in your sin, in your rebellion, as you were walking away from me, even while you were a sinner, I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross for you. That's how valuable you are. I love you. Don't find your value in stuff. Find your value in relationship with me. This is a word from God for us. Focus your attention on the things that will last for eternity. The souls of men. What does that mean? People. People. Do we, do we prioritize relationships? The word of God. I want, that I want the words of God in my life more than I want anything else. And not just to read them, to be transformed by them. To be renewed by these words. To obey these words. To follow these words. No matter what. No matter how they go against culture. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prioritize the word of God. Listen, if we're going to experience financial freedom, which your heavenly father wants for every person in this room, we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn to be content. We have to learn that. So it starts with humbling ourselves and receiving the forgiveness of Jesus. In fact, maybe you're in this room today or maybe you're watching online or listening online and you've never humbled yourself, come to the point of recognizing, God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. I need you in my life. And I believe the only way that I can have a right, restored relationship with you is through Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he came to this world, he became one of us, he died on the cross, he was crucified, he was risen from the dead, ascended, exalted to the Father, and that through Jesus, I can be forgiven. And that through Jesus, I can be empowered to live for Jesus, to obey him, to follow him. See, that's the starting point for contentedness. It's a change of identity. That my identity is not what I wear or where I go or what I drive. My identity is I belong to Jesus. I've been adopted into his family. I've been justified. I've received his spirit. So I'm going to ask all over this room, would you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment? If you're watching online or listening, I'd just ask you right now just to pause whatever you're doing. And I just challenge you, first things first, 
Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you received the grace of God through Jesus Christ? Have you asked for his empowerment to live and to follow after him? If you're not sure of that, like this morning, I want you to be sure. I want you to have confidence this morning. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to have you stand. But if that's you this morning, you say, Ken, I need Jesus in my life. I need his forgiveness. I need him to be the master. I don't want anything else sitting in the throne of my life. I don't want possessions or greed or any kind of materials. I, I want Jesus to sit in the throne of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? Anybody at all that would say, that's me, Ken. Pray for me. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, I see you. You can lower your hands. Anybody else that would say this to me? Anyone else? Maybe you're watching online or listening. We would, we would pray for you as well. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody in this room, would you just pray with me? I'll, I'll give you some prompts. It's not a, about saying these words exactly that, that save us. It's about meaning this. But I'm going to ask you to say this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he is the son of God, crucified, risen, ascended. I believe that it's through Jesus that I can have forgiveness. So forgive me, Jesus. I receive your grace. Empower me to live for you to follow you, to obey you. I don't belong to myself. I belong to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, that's a, that's a start, right? That's a start. But even, even followers of Jesus need to learn to be content. So I just, I know we just prayed that, but I want to pray a prayer of covering before we dismiss. Father, I pray for all of my friends in this room. I pray for people that I don't even know, people I haven't even met yet. God, would you cause us as followers of Jesus to be content? God, forgive us for how we've compared ourselves with other people. God, I pray we would stop that. I pray that we would enjoy the gifts that you've given us right now instead of the Instead of thinking someday we would be happy, God, that we would learn joy and peace in this moment that you've given to us right now. To enjoy the good gifts that you've given us right now. I pray that we would be focused on the things that are going to last forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you go, a couple things. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I want to just, and I know some of you were here and you already, uh, but we are part of a challenge. So here's the deal. There has been a gentleman in the state of Ohio that's challenged several churches and we're part of this small group of churches that if we will raise $40,000, i will tell you what it's for in just a moment, that he will match that $40,000. So here's the challenge. In Tanzania, and this is true around the world, Girls are given less education than boys. In Tanzania specifically, girls are given education, they're given primary education, which would be like an elementary school level of education. And then when they graduate from elementary school, 10, 11 years old, they're forced to either get married or there are other things that they have to do in order to provide for themselves. 
And so there's a big push that our churches that we're planning all over the world, that we would provide not only you know, the message of the grace of God and the gospel of God. We don't wanna just say, hey, get saved and then, well, God bless you with your horrible life. Like, we, we understand the value of education. So we have friends in Tanzania, a church in Tanzania that is gonna start a school to start a school, not just to build the school, but to get the people in place to do the education, all that, it costs $80,000. And so we're in a challenge of raising $5,000 just from Journey Church, and there's several other churches across the state of Ohio that are doing this, and if we can do this, our group of churches will raise 40000 It'll be matched. So every dollar that you give is going to be doubled up to $5,000 for us. And so, so here's the deal. We have a noisy offering coming up next week. If you've been around Journey, you understand what that is. Our, we have a group called Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. Our kids learn about missions, about the importance of missions. They give to missions. They pray for missions. And so on the fifth Sunday of every month, which only happens about four times, the adults help them out with the projects that they have. So Tanzania, the girls' education in Tanzania is their project this month. There's no way our kiddos, well, I guess there is a way, but they can't raise it by themselves. So the adults are going to come in and say, hey, we're going to help you out. So here's what I want you to do. And there's no pressure. I don't want anybody at all to give out of manipulation or whatever. But if God has blessed you and you say, hey, above the tithe, so don't, don't say, well, I was going to write a check to the church for this amount, but now I'll just give it to Tanzania. But above the tithes, if God moves on your heart to give to this. Our BGMC director, which is Miss Julia, she's also our kids director. When, when we're talking about this project, she said, Ken, my, our family will give $300. And for them, they're, they're not going out to eat this month, so that, and they're doing, doing without some other things so they can do 300. When Carrie and I heard about that, we said, sign us up, we'll do 300. And we did the math, and we figured about 15 other couples or individuals say that they'll do 300. I had a, I had a, a grandmother last week who came up to me in between services, and she said, we're gonna do $100 for each of our granddaughters. And I was like, that's awesome. And so, again, no pressure, no manipulation, but if you'd come next week ready to give, you can give online. The, if you do the, what do you call that, the list of offering things, what do you, pull down, drop down, whatever it is, look for BGMC, words are hard today, uh, look for BGMC and click on BGMC and that's, that's where the money would go. If you're writing a check and putting in an envelope, you would write on the other section BGMC. If you just put four letters and start it with B, we'll, we'll figure that it's going to go to that, all right? So would you stand to your feet? This week... May you learn to be content. This week, may you not compare what you have with what other people have. This week, may you focus on the things that will last forever. God bless you guys. We'll see you later.